Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. Hello. Uh, be a little patient with me here. Everybody knows how great Sam is at hosting. I'm not going to do as well as Sam, that's for sure, but I'm going to do my best. Um, that was an awesome win. The Knicks just beat the Lakers 114 to 109. There's actually a ton to talk about, which I've got to be honest, a lot of times we come up here and it just feels like we talk about the same things over and over again. And it's like, fuck, it feels like we're manufacturing conversations. But I feel like different rotations, different vibes, there's going to be a lot to talk about. Um, so before we get into it, I'm just going to read the ad read super quick so that we can nonstop talk Knicks the rest of the way. Um all the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoffs ready to kick off. Bet online is your number one destination for all of your sports wagering info, including news for pro, pro football, the NBA upcoming fights and NHL games this season. Head to the website today to get the action and see all the updated odds for this week. Remember to use the promo code believe B L E A V all capitals to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts, but it does not end for our very own Sam Samuel, because we know he's out there. He's out there on the streets grinding, grinding the gambling streets. Um, all right, Tyrese. Uh, I know I usually can't shut the fuck up, but I'm in the Sam chair tonight. So we're, I'm going to lean on you more. This was a wonderful game for you. Everyone knows where your allegiances lie, who your favorites are. Not only the Knicks, probably the foremost Julius Randle fan. This was, as far as I'm concerned, an amazing game for you. Um, what were your overall thoughts on this victory? I never lose. <laughs> I never lose. And at some point, people will actually start to believe me, but I never lose. Um, I mean, I think you have to start with Brunson, doing Brunson things. Um, I think clearly all NBA at this point in the season right now. Um the guy has just been incredible. Like he's shooting probably forty six percent from three on the season, which is nuts. Like we are a quarter of the way into the season, he's shooting forty six percent. I remember you posted about Brunson's three point regression coming, and I'm like, are we sure it's going to regress the way we think it's going to regress? Like he shot forty two percent last year. He's probably gonna shoot around like forty four to forty five percent this year. Which again is nuts. Um, I think right now you can argue he's probably one of the five best shooters in the league right now. Probably even higher. Like the difficulty of the shots he's making, the volume at which he's making them and taking them. Like if he's under the three point contest, at least there's a problem. But also just like he he's legitimately one of the best shooters in the league and he has been there for the last two years. Um he also hit his free throws tonight. Thank God. <laughs> Cause he's been he's sub eighty percent of the season, so hopefully that's a little bit better. Um but yeah, great game from Brunson. Really carried us on down the stretch. He scored, I think, eleven points in the fourth quarter. So like that's what he does. That's what they brought him in for. And again, um he'll be an all-star this year. Also, voting opens up tomorrow, so get on that if you can. Um, he deserves to start. He deserves to make it, point blank period. He deserves to start, but he deserves to make it more than anything. 
Uh, I mean, Julius, Big Jew, 30 in the rafters. Um, 30 in the rafters, 30 in my heart. Uh, <laughs> I mean, have, like, he has legitimately been one of the best offensive players in the league for the last month. Um, like Nick Stapes says here, his last 10 games, 27.3 points, 9.7 rebounds, 5.36, 66 true shooting. That'll do. That'll do. Um, uh, I felt like he was very inspired defensively tonight. I think he got up for this game, especially because it was Braun, X-Team. Um, I felt that his closeouts were mostly there. He had a couple hand-down, man-down closeouts, which like I'm kind of used to at this point. But um, great game from him on both sides. Very much controlled um, the flow of this game. I mean, they were minus 12 in the minutes that he sat, and he sat for five minutes. And it was essentially that end of the second quarter where, sorry, the end of the second quarter where they lost a 12-point lead. He sat, they lost the lead. Um, he came back in, they built up the lead to double digits twice. So great game from him. I think he this is probably the best stretch of his career, I want to say. Um, just as an offensive decision maker, as an offensive hub. Um, and it's vastly different from his like hot shooting starts or like the game where he just goes nuclear with five threes in the first quarter. It just kind of feels like he is consistently going against all NBA caliber players and is giving these kind of performances. And I think it changes his floor so dramatically because he's willing to get so deep into the paint. This is probably the deepest he's played in the paint since his first year. But like the fact that he's able to be so proficient at it and the fact that he's able to make the team better in ways that he wasn't able to do that first year makes it so appealing as a offensive floor, especially for, like, playoff basketball. I mean, because at this point, the question is, can he do it in the playoffs? This feels like the most sustainable version of Julius Randle, and it's the least jump shot the Lion he's been in his career since, like, New Orleans. So, I, mean, I, will, I, I, will, I will say, even with the newfound, um, like, shot mapping, and like you said, he's operating deeper in the post than we've ever seen him. Look, it's a small sample size, but we saw him get tight again down the stretch when it got close. You know, um, I really do feel like the the Lakers were able to lock in, and I mean, not just late in the game, but basically the entire second half. Take away what made him so dominant in the first half. Again, I'm not trying to rain on the parade. I'm just saying it's something to watch out for in terms of projecting forward for a potential playoff series. Julius has to be ready for something like that. And to your point, I, I would have led with Julius. I would have that. I think he was the sto- first story. Honestly, I think Isaiah Hardenstein was the second story. But the reason you lead with Brunson is because even in a game when Julius Randle is kind of just the best player on the court, when the game gets close at the end, I mean Brunson wasn't even the best point guard on the Knicks for the first forty-two minutes of that game. You know, I quickly, pretty decisively outplayed Brunson when you consider both ends of the court. But then you remember, I mean, quickly can't come close to doing what Brunson can do when the game gets tight and you just need a bucket. And he just took that game over. 
And that's what makes him so important on not a team like this, but any team. There are finite NBA players who can do what Jalen Brunson just did against a very solid defense in the Lakers. And not just like solid um, in terms of the personnel that they have, but when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team, it's going to be intelligent. They're going to know the spots you want to get to, and they're going to anticipate that, and they're going to try and take it away. And Jalen Brunson just had a counterpunch every single time. Um, that little jab step he did to Cam Reddish with the quick cross to create space going right was just an absolute thing of beauty. He just, his bag is so deep and he's so crafty. He has a counterpunch to every single thing people throw at you. And look, you can't say that he was out there playing one on five because he had that absolutely gorgeous cross court dime to quickly to set up a three that quickly had like he needed to make that and he missed it. And look, it was a fine shot, went in and out. That's fine. And then the Lakers adjust. The Knicks do the smart thing. They're sending RJ Barrett as the screener to get Reeves as the matchup for Brunson. The Lakers decide to blitz and Brunson makes the right play. Uh, You know, how often do we hear that? Make the right play. He makes the right play, finds RJ Barrett, gets him him an empty gym three, and RJ doesn't make it. Um, Under different circumstances, Brunson's assist numbers are higher tonight. I thought he was just marvelous down the stretch. Um, but let's let's talk a little bit about Isaiah Hardenstein. I think he deserves it. I think it's hard as a big man to play the types of type of minutes that Tibbs asked him to play tonight. And not only did he deliver with just effort, I mean, let's take a quick gander at the box score. He had, I know it's something absurd. He had nine points. 17 rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks. And he was second on the team in plus minus, plus 15. And seven all of that rebounds. All of, yep, all of that across 39 minutes. He was just outstanding. He was awesome. Um, I think it's pretty clear he just needs to start with Mitch out. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect, but it's unreasonable to give him the 2021 Derrick Rose rotation. It's it's one thing to ask a, a point guard to do that. It's another thing to ask Isaiah Hardenstein to play multiple 15 plus minute stretches a night consecutively across, you know, six to eight more weeks. I think you get him in there with the starters. You, you let him play against the other starters. You give him multiple shifts per half and give him the, you know, just the Mitchell Robinson role right now. And whether it's Jericho Sims or Taj Gibson, you play your worst center against backups. Obviously, if it was me, I'm going small some of the time and letting Randall, you know, like tonight, when Anthony Davis is sitting, you can have, you know, you can have Randall against LeBron and hide, and, and, and hide a smaller guy on Jackson Hayes. Jackson Hayes, he's not hurting you like I. And if he starts to attack the offensive glass, then you go to the center. It's, it's okay. You don't have to just do one thing and stick with it. Um, what, did, what did you think of Hardenstein tonight, Tyrese? I thought he was incredible. Um, I think having him play against the front court like LeBron and AD, especially given the minutes load that he was playing, um, he just was able to battle, and he was able to keep us alive in moments where we needed it. Um, that might have been probably his best game as a pro. I mean, he played 21 minutes tonight, in the second half, and every single one of those minutes was necessary. There were plus 11 in his minutes. Um, 
that were minus five in the three minutes that he sat. So you can kind of tell of how vital he was to this team winning. Um, yeah, it was just Herculean effort for him. Um, I think that's the best way to put it. It was he had to do so much for this team, and he had to be so versatile, both offensively and defensively for this team, and he was able to do it. Um, so that's credit to him. Again, the seven offensive rebounds really tell the story of how much he was able to impact this game. Um, yeah, I can't say much more about him. He did everything you could ask of and more, and they don't win without him. They definitely don't win it without him. I think Nick Stave makes another really good point here. He says, uh, huge to go 2-2 two and two on this trip, even better that the wins were against very good teams. Uh, the Knicks go on the road and beat the Suns and the Lakers, two teams who have title aspirations. And I think that's important to remember because at the start of this trip, they lost the, the Knicks lost to the Jazz. And that was a that was the first sky is falling moment of the season. I mean, most of y'all were probably right there with us when Schwinn was screaming to the heavens about what was happening. And he honestly wasn't wrong to be upset about what, that loss. That's a loss that shouldn't happen. But a good thing about a Tom Thibodeau coach team is that when you have a high floor, you can match bad losses with some good wins like this because you're more likely than not to show up each night you play. Um, obviously, there are also pitfalls of a Tom Thibodeau coach team, but tonight's not the night to talk about those. Um, I... I don't think there are many macro takeaways from this game. The The one I can think of is the rotation change. Um, quickly ended up playing 29 minutes, but th- that was about as many as DiVincenzo and Grimes played combined. Hart was down to 22 minutes. I don't know if he got hurt or what happened there, but I don't expect Josh Hart to ever play as few minutes as 22 again if, he, if he's healthy. RJ played 30 Randall played 43. People have talked about that Tibbs was trying to match his minutes with LeBron. LeBron played 39 minutes tonight, which is wild. Like, just wild that he's still playing that many minutes. But, um, yeah, I don't know. What, do you think Do you think that – do you think that tonight's minutes allocation represents kind of a changing – not changing of the guard, but kind of a shift in the tides? Or do you think it was just Tibbs matching up with a unique with a unique opponent? I, I honestly don't have an answer. It was such a weird rotation. He played the entire second half. Like, that was 2020-2021 rotations. Um, I'm honestly not sure what that means long-term. I do like the fact that he was playing with the bench. I feel like that bench unit makes a lot more sense with Randall right now. The way he's been playing, giving him the space to operate with Hardenstein giving him the ability to kind of like kick out to the shooters because those that unit is supposed to have the shooters with it. Um, I would explore it more. I think it would be pretty interesting to see how it fares. But um, yeah, I think I think it's interesting, but I don't know if it was like a matching LeBron. Thing. I mean, granted, LeBron played 22 minutes in the second half. So like maybe, but it was such a weird, weird. If you got speaking speaking of dumb rotations, Tyrese, 
I don't know if you noticed this, but LeBron gets the current uh, RJ rotation. And what I mean by that is he gets pulled, you know, halfway through the first and the third. And then he starts the second and the fourth quarter with a lot of bench players. Every single time the Lakers are in a close game, uh, Darvin Ham just plays LeBron the entire fourth quarter. Yep. So, so save blowouts and rest nights. LeBron is just playing the final 12 minutes of every single game. That is not a sustainable strategy, and he his legs are going to fall off this season. He has to become a three-shift player, or he has to go – he has to play like the first 10 minutes and then rest and then close and just be two long shifts. He just – he can't be playing – because the thing people talk about all the time – I know this isn't a Lakers spot, so we'll end it here. The fourth quarter – the intensity of the fourth quarter is – higher i'm not saying points count more but that's not even 12 whole minutes and i saw it tonight like he was just gassed at the end of the game randall was gassed and it's why it's why rotations are so important it's why we harp on them so much here um my, my as far as the knicks rotations go my personal belief is that it it's getting very hard to ignore <laughs> like all the evidence and i don't i don't see anything matchup wise as to why Tibbs would have played quickly 29 minutes. Like I know quickly was his shot was falling early. He was eight for his first 13 before he missed his last couple. Um, but it's not like his defense was super good. He actually got, got caught on a few screens. He had a couple terrible fouls that gave up and ones, one to Rui Achimura, one to Austin Reeves. Like it's nice when quickly's shot is falling, but this was hardly a peak Emmanuel quickly performance by any means. I just think that whatever, you know, a couple days off, all the noise, I think they're, I hope they're starting to figure out that more manual quickly is a good thing. And honestly, it seems like they figure it out every single season. I mean, we have that soundbite of me from the other night. Fourth year like, in a row we're doing this. Yeah, it's the fourth year. It's, it's the fourth year in a row, third year in a row. And I said it, I was just like, every single year they seem to have this coming to Jesus moment where they're like, well, shit we just gotta play him you know like and it's so weird how this happens every season because i mean remember last season at this time the beat writers banded together and were putting him in every trade package you had every content creator going on you know whatever site it was and saying uh quickly won't be here at the trade deadline he doesn't make sense for this team we have jalen brunson and then it was just like oh wait this team actually doesn't perform that well unless quickly's on the court I think that's something people don't remember about last year's team is like quickly was the only player whose off court minutes they lost. And that's why it's always so weird to me when people are like, Oh yeah, well he plays against bench units and uh, that's why his on off numbers are so good. Okay. Well, why aren't the other bench guys on off numbers that good? Josh Hart's were too, but he only played, you know, the last 20 games or whatever. So it's different, but Hardenstein, Ovi, you know, none of these guys pop off the way Grimes this year, even Chenzo earlier when he was a bench player. None of these guys pop off the way he does. He does consistently. Um, and I think the Knicks just by force or by pressure, whatever it was, I I'm hoping tonight was a realization of that. And it, and it does represent a changing in the, in the tide. Honestly, I just kind of feel like the Knicks need to, just bite the bullet and start him. Um, I was done hard with him. 
I would just run the best five, that the best five man lineup they have. Um, That's clearly the five man unit that Tibbs trusts the most. I'm not yeah. going to say it's the best. I'm not going to say it's not the best either, but, but I think we can both agree that that's clearly, you know, if Tibbs had his way, that would be the closing lineup every night. And I think it makes the most sense. Um, you wish Hart would be a bit better of a shooter and you wish he'd be a bit more willing. I, I can't complain about that this year, actually. I think he's been more willing. Um, but, like, that has the good mix of ball handling that they need, creation that they need, defense that they need, and the ability to give space. Um, and you still get, like, your really good rebounding with Hart and IQ and Hartenstein. So, like, I think that's a lot that they just need to run more if not start it completely. That's why you really wish that Tibbs was a little bit less rigid with uh, the positions, because in my opinion, and I know we're giving up a little bit with the, the rebounding at the small forward position here, but you could make the argument that the highest ceiling lineup this team has is Brunson quickly Grimes, Randall Mitch, because Grimes, yeah. Grimes at the three I don't care what the percentages are. He's going to create that. There, Nobody's helping off him the way they help off RJ or Hart. So he has peak gravity at the small forward position. He is by every single, anybody who watches the Knicks, we all agree he's the best point of attack defender. So really you're trading by, by preferring Hart to Grimes in that spot. You're trading uh, point of attack defense and much more gravity and not just gravity, way better shooter for a slightly for for a for a more impactful rebounder. But you'd like to hope that you know Mitch and Randall would have that covered, especially with quickly at the two. Um, I it's just too bad that that can never happen. Like I, I wish there was a path for that because I do think that that's the Knicks' best five, uh, best I mean, like fr- from a yeah. from a synergy standpoint. Excuse me. Yeah, I mean. I feel like ultimately speaking, this comes back to the conversation of like IQ and low usage wing is usually the best lineup they can run. Um, but back to the minutes distribution quickly. Um, I mean, played the entire fourth again. So he got to 29 minutes, but it was kind of bullshit how he got there. Um, I do like his first, his first half shift wasn't too bad though. I think he played... Um, yeah, he played five minutes in the first quarter, and then in the second quarter, I think he played about seven, nine. So, yeah, he played 14 minutes in the first half, which is a good number. Ideally, he should be around, like, 32. Um, so, yeah, I think the rotation where, like, Dante's a spot starter and quickly getting the bulk of the minutes there is probably the way to go. And I also think it makes... Grimes get minutes at small forward, which is really impactful as well. By the way, just to add to the point you were making earlier about Randall um, playing with the bench unit, I mean, part of what you're just saying is that anybody is going to be enhanced by playing with quickly and heart against Bingo. other teams. I, uh, we have four years of data on this where it's like when quickly plays with somebody, they get more efficient, they're better defensively and they're way more potent offensively. How much more do you need to see? This season, 
Hart and quickly have played 215 minutes with Jalen Brunson net rating of plus 19.7. They've played, they've played 205 minutes. So 10 fewer minutes with Randall net rating of plus 21.2, just absolutely demolishing teams when those two play with either Brunson or Randall. Um, the, the data is yelling in your face at this point. And, and look, we're going to, let's put a bow on this because we talk about the minutes every night and this is supposed to be, a, this is supposed to be a night of celebration, but the one thing I don't want to hear from people about this suggestion is, yeah, but we need quickly coming off the bench. We need him to play with that bench unit. It's 2023 folks. You can stagger. You can, you can, you can stagger people. It's okay. Like quickly can come out halfway through the first and start the second quarter. Like he always does that. That's a thing. Substitutions are allowed. This isn't soccer. You don't or get one. You can run on that spot. Right. Even like even better almost like, like, yeah, you can, I would, I you can do either. That spot. Yeah. Um, you have either option and you can mess around with the, the substitution. So it, any trade-off you get that involves quickly with a higher minute ceiling, you're winning. I don't want to hear about this intangible bullshit of like, oh, how do we get quickly coming to still play with the bench unit? It's like, it's not hard. Anybody who's played NBA 2K knows how to just have a rotation that that staggers your best players. It's just insane okay um let's get some better comments because people can inspire um will malave i hope i pronounced that correct i apologize to you will if i didn't iheart has to start he showed he can play with either group 32 minutes for iheart eight and eight for sims and gibson yes i think i think sims is in a boot so yeah you're gonna get iheart starting and taj coming off the bench and Honestly, Taj didn't play too poorly. I didn't think he was horrible. Like I, I think know. he's he got rebounds. Yeah, he got rebounds. He played good defense. I think he needs game shape, but I think he'll be fine for 16 minutes a night if you need him to. I will. I th- I'll be curious to see if Randall play if they go small at all, because there they are should. going to there are going to be nights. When iHeart, iHeart's not going to play this well every night. So if you have a night when iHeart, who's, you know, he's a backup center, he could probably start on a few teams, but he's a he's the best backup center in the league. Backup centers struggle all the time. And if you have a night when your options are a struggling iHeart and old Taj or Julius Randle and your four other, four other players who are way better, I'm sorry, that option just has to be on the table. It does. I'm surprised that... I'm surprised we didn't run it tonight again. Like, I think being married to run protection and rebounding, again, obviously stifles creativity, but it's also like, how many backup sensors in the league are so threatening to where, like, you can't run Julius Randle up to five? Granted, the defensive deficiencies with him as a run protector are there. I understand that. But he is a switch defender. His best defense usually comes with him switching. And with him playing the five, he can switch one to five. So it kind of feels like that would be the best way to handle it, but I don't know. Yeah, I do agree with you. Um, Just to defend Tibbs slightly, he's not really so much worried about the bigs overpowering Randall. He's way more worried about the stunts like like the Knicks guards missing a stunt or missing a rotation 
Mitch is the last line of defense against those guards. That's that's what it is. Rand, Randall offers nothing, no resistance there whatsoever. And Tibbs's nightmare is that exactly like you know the the opponents run a one four pick and roll with Brunson and RJ in the pick and roll, and then you have Divincenzo and Hart off the ball, and one of them doesn't stunt, and the roll just gets a free dive. The roller just gets a free dive to the rim. And all that's all that's left there is Julius Randle. And Julius Randle, for all of his strengths, is not a rim protector. So I think that's important to remember is he's, it's not like – it's not the 90s. He's not like, oh, my God, Hakeem is just going to dominate this matchup. He, yeah, gun to Tibbs' head, he's not afraid of that at all, I'd bet, against most people. In fact, I mean, I'm, I know you agree with this. I think you could argue that Randle is capable of even guarding like centers like Embiid. Like he they, – they, they, the refs respect Randle. They're not going to just hunt. They're not going to let Embiid hunt fouls again him against him, and he's strong and can hold his own. You know, so again, I, I don't think it's the opposing centers that is the issue. It's the guards getting into the paint uh, in other action, and there being no line of defense. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, God, it's just like I just want to see it. Because I feel like this offense is already good when they're hitting threes, and I feel like it has another level to reach. But I also feel like this team as a whole has like so much more potential. But that's a coaching issue. But we're not talking about it tonight. It's a good night. So. Yeah, I, I again, I wasn't saying that because I don't think we should see it. I I think we should see it too. I just. Yeah, I just thought that was important to point out. Um, here you go, Tyrese. Nick's tape, Chad, yeah, and said Tyrese gets to shit on RJ and hype up Julius the whole show. I haven't uh, even talked about him yet. <laughs> oh, I'm waiting. Yeah. I'm waiting. I don't think we have to have the conversation. I don't – I don't – look, I mean, what's funny is, is he was two of seven at half, and his first half was worse than that. His only – his two baskets – were two should have been turnovers that just like bounced right to him and he got, you know, empty gym layups out of them. Aside from those two fluke layups, he basically offered nothing. Um, that was one of the worst halves he's played all season long. Which is crazy because he had the jazz half and it was like this West Coast trip is just like been horrendous for him. Yeah. Um, I thought, look, I, I'll see what you have to say about this, or maybe you'll just maybe you'll just laugh at this. I actually thought it was a pretty big big deal that despite that, Tibbs closed with him over Hart. Um, and some people mentioned that maybe Josh Hart got hurt, but I mean Hart came back in after RJ fouled Austin Reeves, which was just terrible. Um, but I actually thought that from when Tibbs put that closing lineup in and Jalen was doing his thing offensively. I actually thought RJ executed his role on both ends of the court fairly well. And the thing I liked the most, there was a possession that stood out to me. Um, it was when RJ was on D'Angelo Russell, and D'Angelo Russell tried to navigate, or excuse me, he tried to maneuver around a ball screen, and RJ navigated it really well and contested from the side. And D'Lo missed it off the back rim, and the Knicks ended up getting, um, I think, a Jalen Brunson basket going the other way. Yeah. And what it pointed out to me is that if RJ is going to fit in with that lineup, specifically the trio of Quickly, Brunson, and Randall, 
he has to do the thing that makes Hart so valuable next to quickly. And frankly, what I was getting at earlier, what Grimes would do. And that is when he is playing on ball defense that allows Tibbs to trust him to guard the other team's best player. It inadvertently elevates Quickly's defensive impact because now Quickly can be quote unquote hid on a weaker option an off ball option. And he is playing his best role, which is free safety where he's stunting and he's helping. If Quickly is allowed to play that role where he is basically guard version of Mitch guard version of Draymond, the Knicks defense is better. And we saw that tonight. We saw that down the stretch with RJ guarding Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell. Now I mentioned the bad foul, but up until that moment, I would say for a six, seven minute stretch, RJ was doing a really, really good job on the ball. And all of a sudden you had quickly all over the place like Tibbs wants him. I think that's a synerg- a positive synergy that reflect that is reflected in the lineup data. It's why the heart quickly duo is so elite because you have heart on the ball. You have quickly off the ball. It's just a perfect um, intersection of positive impact. It allows both to impact simultaneously. And RJ did that tonight. Um, And I think Tibbs saw that and he saw that, okay, he doesn't have the shot going, but guess what? We're going with Brunson down the stretch here anyways. I don't care who has their shot going. I care who is going to add value when Brunson is doing his thing offensively. And I thought RJ did that for a few minutes. Do, do you agree with that, or do you just think he was bad the whole time? No, I thought I agree. I thought his defense was clearly much stronger than his offense. I feel like he guarded D'Lo especially very well. Um, I think he was able to contend with D'Lo's size um, more than I thought he would. I think D'Lo is pretty shifty, and I feel like RJ was able to handle it. Um, yeah, I, if he plays defense like that, it changes a lot for this team defensively. Like you said, um, quickly is best as a free safety. Quickly is best when he's able to get a bunch of deflections and use that wingspan and muck up passing lanes and create havoc. Um, and having RJ be able to guard on ball, which is his strength, I don't think anybody's disputing that. Like RJ's best quality is his on-ball defense against bigger wings. Um, if he's able to be that potent, it changes so much for this team. Uh, real quick, I just want to say something. Um, this guy was falling last week, and now the Knicks are shift, and they're a game and a half back and forth. So, don't uh, you just love living on a game-to-game basis? But um. It it is it is wild. I I just think I think the sky is falling attitude came more from the it wasn't even the exact record. It was just the sense of okay, if this team isn't always in the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference, if they're not even a betting favorite to win a playoff series, and guys like Grimes, quickly, even RJ to some degree, are all losing minutes what the fuck is this season? You know, like I, I do think that was more why that attitude was there, but your, your point is well taken. Like maybe we just need to stop, you know, taking the most extreme um, reaction, having the most extreme reactions to every single game and just understanding that there's actually a decent amount of variance game to game. And for the most part, there's this team is, 
in an, is in a good place. I think, I don't know. I, is that kind of what you're trying to say? Yes. The team is in a great place. They're four years above 500. Like the idea that this team was, again, I've seen the hysteria. People legitimately thought we weren't going to win until the new year. Do you know how fucking insane you are to think that somehow, some way, the team with two all-stars is not going to win a game until January? Like, you're telling me that we are so much worse than the Suns, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Nets, the Bucks, the Magic, the Thunder, the Pacers. The Pacers just lost to the fucking Wizards. <laughs> like, come on. Um, but yeah, the hysteria gets a little bit too crazy sometimes, and I feel like people really need to like understand the fact that like not a lot of teams have two stars. The Knicks had two stars, and they're playing at the peak of their powers right now. They were always going to be fine. And then they beat the Nets Wednesday. They had a three and two road trip, and it looks good on paper. And that's all that kind of matters. I actually have a bit of a hot take based uh, regarding what you said earlier. Uh, Despite the starts, I actually think Julius is going to end up being the lone all-star again. I I just don't see... There's 15 15 spots, and I mean, I can can name at least four guards who are locks over Brunson already. I think right now, the guards right now are Halliburton, obviously, Mm -hmm. Dan... Um, you're looking mm-hmm. at Maxi. You're looking at Donovan Mitchell, and you're looking at Trey Young. Trey Young's not making it, dude. He, he didn't make it last year. I don't care. Trey Young is tied. Trey Young after tonight is tied with Halliburton in EPM. <laughs> Trey Young is having an unbelievable season. I know Knicks mm-hmm. fans don't like him, but he's making the All Star team over Jalen Brunson if, if it keeps up this way. They're also tenth. That's fine. Record, record always factors into All Star voting. I'm just saying that. Trey Young being the first all-star from his, his team is more likely than Brunson being the second all-star. If I'll tell you, I'll tell you Jalen Brunson's path to making the all-star team. It's Julius Randall falling off or I'm not wishing this on him. It's just, or Julius Randall getting hurt. If Julius Randall keeps playing this way and the East is as light as it is in the front court, Julius Randall is going to make the all-star team. And then all-star, the, the people who decide, you know, the, the reserves are going to say, do we add a second Nick or do we add a single Hawk? And when they factor in that it's a team's first guy versus another team's second guy, and the uh, the guy the guy on the team who doesn't have an All Star is by most objective measures having a better season. I'm sorry, Trey Young's going to get the nod over Jalen Brunson. I also think oh. that the and like, but it comes up to coaches. And last year we saw it, coaches don't want to vote in Trey Young. <laughs> that's that. I mean, that's that's possible. Um, like, definitely a hot take, but I think it's more likely the Knicks get two than Brunson misses it entirely. I think because last year the narrative was he shouldn't have missed it in the first place, and now this year he's better, and you're telling me he's going to miss it again. I don't think that happens. But I there's also one, do- there, the, there's there's one other thing we haven't talked about here, which I mean, I know Knicks fans are going to fucking hate this, but whatever Knicks fans don't really seem to like me anyways, because I don't, uh, I don't really take any extreme positions. Um, so I'll just come out and say it. Do you know, do you know who leads the Boston Celtics in EPM? Derek White. Indeed. There is no way they vote in Derek White. 
There's no fucking way you can justify voting in Derek White, dude. I well, first of all, I definitely disagree that you can't justify it. Uh, the dude is 17th in the NBA and EPM. EPM isn't the all end all be all, but that that in and of itself would be the start of a rational justification. Um, I I understand how good he is. I'm not saying Derek White isn't good. Mm-hmm. I think if you vote in a 16 point per game score, I don't care how good he is defensively. That looks fucking horrible. Like the All Star game at its core is really, really high scores around the league who are contributing to winning on their various teams. Derek White doesn't qualify in that category, despite the fact that he is an elite role player. And I will give him the fact that he is one probably one of the five best role players in the league. But like he's the he's not he's the best role player in the league, and it's not even close. Um it's he's amazing. But I your point is well taken. I agree with you. If it was up to me, I would put Brunson in over Derek White. I'm just saying the existence of all these external factors that Brunson has very little control over and the fact that he is likely going to be the Knicks' second second all-star. Like, like he's they're going to be like, okay, are we putting a second Nick on the team? Again, it might be a hot take. I just I think he's going to end up getting screwed again. And look, as much as that would be a bummer, as much as this would be like a Clay Thompson situation from 2016 where everybody acknowledges that he is playing at an all-star level, but the East is just loaded with guards – I do think that it would drive him in the second half of the season again, and we would get an even better Jalen Brunson. And a weird, in a weird way, I'm kind of rooting for it because I think Brunson would go on a huge fuck you tour. I, if they somehow, some way, did it twice, I'd be shocked. I just, I cannot wrap my hand around the idea of Brunson having All Star season last year having the playoff run that he had being better this year and then somehow not making it two years in a row. Yeah, that the, I think that's like, even though it doesn't really have much to do with the impact this season, I do think the whole idea that like most people acknowledge that Brunson should have been an all-star last season and then he had the postseason he did, I could see him almost being grandfathered in. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Um, I think he has grandfathered in. I think the front court in the East is thin, but I also think there's a world where Julius doesn't make it. I think right now you're looking at Embiid, Giannis Tatum, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think you're looking at Bam. Or like, yeah, like Bam's naked. Is Bam hurt? Well, uh, he no, he's not. He, like, dude, I got to say this. I put I post about it on Twitter. Rudy Gobert. Took Bam, put took Bam out of bio tonight and folded him up and like, that was one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen. I think we're gonna look back one day and realize how much we under underrated Rudy Gobert. He is unbelievable. Um, This is the best chance for him to actually like show his defense in the playoffs. Given the fact that Minnesota is the land of ten thousand wings, so yep. The the Edward the Edwards McDaniel's that's such a good point. The the Edwards McDaniel's combination. Is so and with Conley, Conley is their worst wing defender right now. It's it's just going to be tougher to expose Gobert's weakness in the postseason than it's ever been before. That's such a good point. Yep. Um, okay, but, but but back to back to bigs. We've got Bam, uh, Embiid, Giannis, uh, Tatum, Paulo. I think Paulo. I, I, 
Uh, yeah, that's a good point. They the Magic have to get one. I mean, they have to get yeah. one, but they're also like falling fast. So like they do, and Randall, look, Randall's been better than Ben Carroll this year. Yep. Yeah, he has been. But I also think that like in a weird way, I wouldn't be surprised if he get to. I think my big thinking point is the Heat might get to. I wonder if. I don't think like, McCall's a factor, it, but McCall's also a factor. I was literally about to say him if the Nets got hot. That's funny. You know who's weirdly weirdly been good this year? And it's mostly been on offense, but I'm not saying I'm not saying he should be considered for an all-star folks. Please don't yell. Don't say Cam Thomas. Don't say Cam Thomas. No, I was just gonna say Terry Rogier. He's actually I I'm not a Terry Rogier guy at all, but he's actually been pretty sweet. Um has he? Yeah. Wow, he actually has been good. What the hell? Yeah, especially since he's playing 36 minutes a game, which is crazy. Um, Gary Terry. Yeah, dude, the, these forwards are just so, so thin. Yeah, but maybe, maybe Scotty Barnes, if he somehow keeps up this lucky production. No. No. I, I shouldn't have said lucky. Sorry, Raptors fans. Please don't kill me in the DMs. If he keeps up this totally sustainable 40% three-point shooting that – is definitely going to ha- keep happening. Is he still shooting 40% from three? He's shooting 39%. Yeah. I, mean, um, I just can't say that. I I don't think Scotty's in consideration because, like, a record plays a factor. They're mm-hmm. dreadful right now, and it's like, if you just want to go off poise rebounds, this is Randall's beating him. Yeah. So. I agree. So this is, so we so we agree Julius Randall is going to keep playing like this, and he's just going to be an easy all-star. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to – I think – I don't know. I just feel like Grant – like you said, Brunson got grandfathered in. And I feel like coaches – coaches drew the reserves, and I feel like coaches really like Brunson. Yes, like I, I agree. Coaches seem to very much like Brunson. He has that it factor. I agree with everything you're saying. Um, and, look, I – as much as I was saying, I do believe that he would – you know, take it out on his opponents if he didn't make the all-star team, and that could be good for the Knicks. I also think it would be really cool if the Knicks had two all-stars. So, obviously, I'm rooting for that. I don't want anybody listening to think I'm not rooting for it. I just think that the guards... Also, yeah. The guards... Also, yeah. Injury replacement, the way JL saying, like, injury replacement, yeah, I think they both get in anyway. Because somebody's going to be injured at some point. Yeah, that's another good point. <clears throat> um, Jordan Bubb, who is <clears throat> always around... Always supporting us. We really appreciate it, Jordan. Uh, he said, Jalen Brunson is him. IQ is him. And you're reigning sixth man of the year. Let's Thanks. ignore Brogdon's existence. Fact. Julius playing like an all-NBA player and Hardenstein played a magnificent game. RJ struggled for two games of the season. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's true. Um, it's crazy because, like, I guess I just hold these guys to too high a standard because – Every single player you mentioned, except for Hardenstein, I want more from. I want quickly to. I want quickly to bring the defense he brought in the fourth quarter the entire game. He was a hawk off the ball in that fourth quarter, and he was not great the rest of the game. I want Jalen Brunson to be more. To, he's inching closer, but I want him to be more consistent inside the arc the whole game. Uh, Julius Randle, I think he can be better down the stretch of games. I think he's still too deliberate um i i don't think he's still i i still don't think he's gotten used to playing off jalen brunson he doesn't seek ways to leverage the attention that jalen brunson's getting 
He can make cuts. He can flash to the center. He can be the guy who screens for Jalen Brunson. I, I know some think, of that's I know some of that's coaching, but I just think Julius Randle can do better down the stretch. What do you think, Tyrese? I think part like I think you saw it in the Milwaukee game, the end season tournament game, where like Julius did a bunch of stuff off of cuts and off of movement and just like getting to the rim off the ball. Um I do think there's potential there. I feel like weirdly his effort has been like up and down, but I feel like weirdly his screens have been a lot better. Like so I would like to see more stuff as like a screen and roll guy, but like there's always a big in the paint, so it's kinda hard to do it. But if they are going to do it with Hartenstein being the starting point guard, I think it's possible. So there's potential there. One other thing I need Julius Randle to do. When Emmanuel quickly improvises a ghost screen for you and it's effective in what it's try what what it's trying to do. Please, please leverage the fuck out of it. There were multiple in the first half when quickly caught his defender off guard, ran and sprinted past uh, with Julius with the ball in his hands, ran, sprinted past Julius's defender, and it forced Quickly's defender to stop for a moment because he wasn't sure if Randall was going to take the space or not. Julius Randall ha- can't just stand there and just watch it happen and do nothing. He has to leverage that and. It's a really good action, and they should use it more. But there's no point in using it more if Julius Randle is never going to do anything with it. So that's another area I think he can improve with the ball in his hands. Yep. I Again, there's just so much untapped potential. I feel like a lot of it just revolves around quickly minutes. Like, it's been, again, three years of they play quickly more, they win. We literally had... December 4th onward, the entire stretch was play quickly more. Like, that nine-man rotation at his core was literally play quickly more. And they became a playoff team because of it. And now this year, they're going to do the whole, like, we're going to play quickly more thing, and I guarantee they're going to take off. Like, they, if they play quickly a routine at least 28 minutes a night, they're going to be the fourth seed by the time All-Star break comes around. And I feel very confident in saying that because he's that good. And they, they'd be there getting through the, the meat of their schedule. Yep. And then you're looking at, like, Chicago games in April. So there's clearly, like, a pathway to being a very good regular season team, even better than they are now. So For sure. Um, K1 DK, DK Year Zero said, I don't ever want to hear about bum-ass Cam Reddish ever again. It's Kid Kuro. It's what? It's Kid Kuro. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. I'm not very smart. Sorry, bud. Um, yeah, Cam Reddish. He said, I don't ever want to hear about some bum-ass Cam Reddish ever again. Cam Reddish was not very good tonight. He had four points on two of nine shooting. He did have three steals. I just think that we need to move past this. I Every game, and I'm not saying this about the comments are, I'm just saying in general, he's on a different team now. I actually thought Cam Reddish's pregame quote was fine, where he was just like, I'm not on the Knicks anymore. I don't want to talk about it. Who cares? Like, he's not a Nick anymore. Whether he succeeds or not, it has nothing to do with the franchise. I understand that there are a lot of people who need Tibbs to be wrong or need him to be right. I get that. I get that. That's why the two camps are so dug in. But the truth of the matter is, 
we have a decent amount of statistical evidence that Cameron just wasn't a good fit with the Knicks. Like even when he was playing a lot of minutes, the impact data didn't like what was happening. Um, so who like who cares? I I did think if I did I will say LeBron James is a very LeBron James is a very very transparent player. Like when he's trying to get somebody going, you can just tell. He wanted this to be a big game for Cam. He kept trying to find him, found him with that beautiful pass for the dunk, sent him up with a number of threes. They wanted to cut. They were desperate to win this game with Cam Reddish having a big game so that they could have some sound bite in the post game about how the Knicks gave up on him. So I understand why it's hard for some people to bite their lip, but I just think we have to be the bigger fan base and move on here because whatever, like who cares? <laughs> I do. He thinks. He thinks, like, well, why was this even a conversation? Cameron is not a good basketball player. The fact that LeBron James is somehow carrying his carcass of an NBA player to, like, respectability is the fact that LeBron James is the greatest player of all time. It's not because Cameron is somehow good. Like, he's not good. Stop, talk, stop talking about him. Stop bringing him up. He's not good. That's them's them's fighting words, Tyrese. Um, it does seem like his his over his impact has been a bit overstated this season. Um, but then again, he's an in-season tournament champion, and we hmm. are. So what do we know? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I watch a ton of Lakers. It does seem, uh, by my granted novice eye test, it does seem like the defense has been good. But um, and, and look, EPM EPM really likes his defense. It has him in the ninety third percentile, plus one point eight. It hates his offense. He is not good. He has been bad offensively. He's in the nineteenth percentile which makes him an overall negative um, about basically a replacement player overall. So I do agree with the commenter here, Kid Kuro, um, that we just, we shouldn't hear, we, like the fact that the Knicks are getting dunked on for this when he hasn't even been great this season for the Lakers is very silly. And so I, again, I do understand why there are Knicks fans who are like, fuck this, I'm going to push back because this is nonsense. Every player the Knicks give up on does worse. I feel like at some point that needs to be kind of like noted. Like Cam Reddish, Derek Rose. Um, yeah, like they usually end up not being as relevant to winning because for all of Tibbs' faults as a decision maker, his Ability to evaluate talent is something I've never questioned. Like, the one guy you could be like, oh, wow, why did Tibbs not play him more is Tyus Jones. And in all the years of him being a coach, if Tyus Jones is your only miss, I think you're doing okay. I mean, quickly, but... <laughs> okay, we're talking about, like, talent he's let go. Yeah, no, you're right. And they got better when they acquired Josh Hart. It's not even a, it's not even a conversation anymore. 
Um, Chris Bernhard says Tyrese only shows up for post game shows when RJ stinks and Randall does well. Such a nasty agenda. You deserve Bo Nix and Daniel Jones for a decade. We're getting Drake May. Fuck you. <laughs> We're fifth right now. Thank God. Did you what what was your overall level of celebrating when the Giants lost that game on Sunday? Were I was you tempted? So, I was so happy. Cause we got the Why fake like we can, can, I, can I ask you something, yeah. Tyrese, about football for real quick? Why do you want Drake May and not Daniels? I mean, I don't care. I mean, I don't think we're going to take Daniels because I know who my owner is, and I know that we don't. <laughs> I'll just I'll just say this right now, and I, somebody can end up, you know, I'm sure somebody will bookmark this, a clip in on looking stupid. And look, when you have a volatile opinion like the one I'm about to give. You have to understand there's a range of outcomes, and I could end up being wrong like 70% of the time here. So whatever, I have to be willing to look stupid. I think Daniels should be a better prospect than Drake May. I I don't understand how Drake May is considered closer to Caleb Williams than Daniels. None of the tape backs that up to me. I think Caleb Williams is the clear number one, and I would not. I'm a Carolina fan, by the way. I was born in Chapel Hill. Um, it just... I don't see it with Drake, man, but that's my opinion. I, If they take Jaden Daniels, I would be shocked, which is why I don't think it's going to happen. I'm very convinced they, they want Drake, May. If we end up taking the OT, I'll be upset. Like, we do not even, like, yes, we need OT, but, like, we need, we need quarterback. Yeah. Because I'm tired of seeing this all the damn time. He's not good. Chris Bernhardt says, if Brunson doesn't get the all-star nod this year, then something's wrong. It does suck knowing we don't have the best player on the floor ever, according to Kenny. Oh, man. That was – I mean, like, I... Yeah, you the 50-point – sorry, but, like, the 50-point game kind of feel like that was his – okay, you earned it. You know? Like, him dropping 50, it being historic 50, national TV against the Suns, like – I think it's just going to be really hard to keep him out. But yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, no, that was just really silly. Um, I don't, I don't get what he was. I just don't like the fact that you use Paolo Bancaro as an example is so strange to me. Um, I mean, I guess and the Magic like, were like the two seed at the time. So, like, but even so, like, Paolo Banquero is not, he's okay, but he's just light skinned Julius Randle. Like, yes, yeah, it's funny. Um, I, uh, I just, the, I think we have enough evidence that if the Knicks had the Magic's roster, Nobody would talk about magic players the way they do now. Like, there's just, I, I think, and I said the same thing about the Thunder. Like, I just think that represents or emphasizes the clear bias against the Knicks, both amongst other fan bases and in, in the media. And this idea that, like, Bancaro is a lock superstar who's not without flaws, it just wouldn't be that way if he was a Nick. Not at all. He would get, he'd be getting no attention at all. I just, I think he's good with the coaches, and I think that's what matters. 
like he's a coach's son, and I feel like the pedigree that he has, and plus the last year he's had, like I just don't feel like he gets in because of that. And I will not complain. I will be buying a jersey. Um, Schwinn said Hart's been willing enough to shoot this year. That's generally fine against most matchups. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, at a certain point, the data knows better than what you think. And I mean, I'll look at I'll look at what the updated data says. Let's see what we got here. But I'd assume that well, actually, Hart didn't Hart didn't crush tonight. Um but let's see what we got here. So Hart is plus 8.2 per hundred when he plays. And the Knicks are minus 3.4 per 100 when he sits, one of three negatives. So the Knicks are almost 12 points per 100 better when Hart plays when he sits. Uh, EPM likes Hart. It's just he's one of those guys, when he's on the court, your team is better. And so I get I get why Tibbs likes him so much. I get why Tibbs leans on him. and But I also get the other side. I get why that frustrates some Knicks fans. Um I, it's strange. I, I see both sides of the equation. Uh, but I think as long as Hart is playing small forward with two shooters at point guard and shooting guard and Randall at power forward, I think Hart at the Hart at the small forward is totally tenable. Pretty much. I, I think the only untenable Hart lineup combination is Hart and RJ at the two of two and three. Yeah. Would you agree? Would you agree with that, Tyrese? Like, I think any other combination of Hart at the three with Randall at power forward, any other combination of point guard and shooting guard, you know, as long as it's Grimes, DiVincenzo, Brunson, or quickly, some combination of those four guys, like you're just totally fine having Hart on the court. Would you agree with that? I agree. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with Trent. I, it's close though. Like I do think Hart still is passing on a few too many, but I mean, Look, there's just no way of knowing. There's no way of knowing, like, you're not out there. You don't, like, maybe Hart only likes shooting from certain spots. You just, you, there's no way of knowing without talking to him what his overall comfort level is in each situation. You just like him to be a bit more comfortable shooting off the catch. Yeah. And, I mean, he's shooting 35% in, like, three attempts per game, but it's, like, good. That's fine. You can look at that. Larry Israel said Grimes is the best defender until the last five minutes when he becomes a basket case. That's pretty interesting. I don't, I'm not saying Larry's wrong. Um, I've definitely noticed, I've definitely noticed Larry or excuse me, Grimes is like blunders late in games. Everybody remembers the Bulls game last year. He had, I think a turnover and two missed free throws. And then the Mavericks game blow a nine point lead in the last, you know, 30 seconds or whatever. And Grimes is the one who tips the ball. Um, I, that's interesting. I'll have to look out for that defensively. Who knows how much he's going to close this year, but I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Tyrese? Have you, is that something you've noticed with Grimes defending late in games? Um, not really. No. I mean, I feel like his defense last year was fine. I feel like this year it's still a work in progress, but I feel like he's been getting better. It's just hard to guard LeBron when you're having up four inches and like a hundred pounds. So. That was that was wild that the reaction on Twitter was what it was when uh, RJ got 
sunned by LeBron. It's like, dude, it's LeBron it's fucking LeBron. James. Like, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay that RJ Barrett is struggling with the mismatch or with the one-on-one matchup of LeBron in the post. That's it's okay. I'm not sure Hart or anybody would do much better. That's just super tough. It's the greatest basketball player of all time. It's okay. Oh, this Lori question is really interesting. Do you guys want Lori and what package would you send for him if you if you do like him here? Um the Lori question is fascinating. I want him. I want him like bad. I want him bad than most all-stars. Like, like even at the small forward? Yes. He played small forward for Utah last year at least. Um He played a little bit. I think he was mostly he's mostly a power forward, right? Because they, uh, it's not like they ran it. I mean, let's check how many minutes the trio of Kessler, Olinick, and um, who's the other guy? Uh, Kessler, Olinick, and Markinen played. I can't imagine it was a ton. I feel like last year he played a lot of small forward. Um, simply due to the fact that it was like it was Vanderbilt starting as well. It was Vanderbilt and it was Kessler. Okay. Yeah. And then only twenty percent, but I feel like he oh, yeah, he he definitely played small forward for um, Cleveland as well. And Cleveland was like, oh, oh yeah, that was his that was his main that was his main position. Yeah, now we thought it was weird, but he was like okay defensively. Um, he was what a minus one defensive box plus minus that year. Uh, honestly, like I just kind of feel at this point. I think he gives you decent defense as a help, um, as a help defender, especially for rim protection. I feel like his shooting is obviously a big positive. I think he also represents like a pivot from Randall if you want one. Um, I just think he's incredibly versatile, and I like the fact that like a tall, big shooter like that on this team would be really helpful. And it's like. He'd be replacing RJ in the lineup, and is that really a downgrade? Is kind of my thinking. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm usually, or not usually. I'm just too concerned with like optimizing, and I probably need to change that. That's a flawed way. It's just a flawed way to view life in general. Um, but I feel fairly confident that marking in Randall and a center would not be the best for any of those. But maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I don't really. I wouldn't really trust Markin and guarding a closing small forward. Don't you think that would be an issue? I think it would be, but yeah, I don't know. I just I like marketing. I think it would be like okay. I think if we started quickly, it would be okay. Yeah, I mean, um... but it also kind of just seems like you start quickly and everything's okay. So yeah, no. That's for, Plus, like his his contract being so cheap, like gives them flexibility to take over the roster more. Yeah, no, he only makes. Like, I mean, I I I personally believe that if the Knicks were to look into marketing, it would be because they don't see Randall as a long term option, and I think they do see Randall as a long term option. So I don't think they'll even investigate that at all. Oh, yeah, I think ultimately they're going to wait for a bigger fish. It kind of seems to be like their MO. I was, were, were you surprised that 
the Lakers came out defensively tonight the way they did without LeBron or Davis on like I thought it was really I, I thought it was really cool and it showed Randall's unique impact that they came out to in the second half and their entire defense was like how the fuck do we make it so he can't get into the paint you know what I'm saying like yeah. and he's still um, which is hilarious. Right. But it, it kind of surprised me that they took so long to do that because they were basically like baiting Julius. Like, hey, if we give you the if if you have a matchup advantage where you exploit it, and Julius was like, fuck yes, give me the ball. I'm just gonna and then Tibbs was like, Yeah, I'm never taking you out. That was I mean, obviously for all of us Knicks fans, that was just the coolest thing ever. Just okay, yeah, sure. Julius just crushed for 20 minutes. I was just surprised that the Lakers didn't really have any adjustment and didn't have any interest in putting LeBron or Davis on him much. Um, yeah, that was just interesting to me. Yeah. Um, Jordan Bob says, well, Nets can't stop either Julius or Brunson on Wednesday, but can we limit mitigate the offense <laughs> dynamo known as Cam Thomas? That's a good question, Jordan. I don't know. I feel like Cam Thomas is inevitable. I'm also hey, a Cam man. Thomas. I'm also a Cam Thomas believer. So like, it's yeah. it's also too bad we we won't get to see the epic showdown of Nicholas Claxton against Mitchell Robinson since every Nets fan thinks that's like some equal discussion, which is the weirdest thing ever to me. Also, low key, Cam Thomas is a sneaky All Star kid. <laughs> All right. <laughs> For some oh, no. reason. For some reason, dude, it makes no sense. No, just play. <laughs> but he is putting like, a 24. His contract yeah, he, is so interesting. He's just... He just like, doesn't help you in enough ways outside of scoring, you know? Yeah, like, but I wonder how much his next contract is going to be, because, like, he, will he get Colin Sexton? Is my question. I, yeah, I don't know. Um... Hawkeye, Jeff, I don't know if it's been taken on Twitter, but like how Yankee fans started the hoodie Glaber maybe in 2009. Can you change from Frank Barrett to Hoodie Barrett? I've been overdue for a change, honestly, for a long time. Um, Because Frank's not a Nick anymore. Uh, Rest in peace, the hornet who broke his tibia or whatever. Tibula? Whatever the fuck it is. Tibia. Um, Yeah, tibia. Um... I should change it to something. I don't know. I don't want to change it to my full name, but we'll find something. Hoodie Hoodie Barrett's decent. Decent, decent first suggestion, Hawkeye. Big fan. Um, <laughs> uh, JL said, if Trey isn't voted in as a starter, I don't think he makes it over Brunson's, Brunson. Coaches and players hate Trey. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I didn't I didn't consider that at all. That's a, that's a really good point. Uh do you think, uh, Tyrese, that they they just don't like how he plays, or is it a character thing, or what? What am I missing here? I mean, like he got two coaches fired, and I feel like people hold that against them. Um, especially like the way he was like treating McMillan, and McMillan is like very respected within the coaches association. The way he was like actively not showing at the meetings and stuff like that, I just don't think they like him. I think. The flamboyance might annoy them or something. I don't know, but I it wouldn't surprise me if he's not voted in again, especially because like 
it's hard to be like, okay, Jalen Brunson versus Trey Young, and then look at the fact that Jalen Brunson's team is winning and Trey Young's team is losing, despite the fact they both have quote unquote two stars. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Sometimes it is that simple. Um, again, I hope you're right. Uh, my guy Khan said, I would say it looks better for the NBA if white is recognized because it would signal the NBA caring about uh, contributing to wins, contributing to wins more than empty calorie stat padding. Then I need Mitch to make it every year. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I mean, Mitch is a great example of that. I, of course, I agree with this point, Khan. Uh, I think, well, first of all, it'll be interesting. Like, is Jalen Brown just going to make it because of the reputation and the contract? Like, is it just going to be a thing where the Celtics, because their record is so good and the, the voters are like, well, it can't just be one. It has to be multiple. Like KP, KP is going to be their second all-star, right? Or what do you think no. there, Tigers? Nah. No? No, I don't. I think it might be possible. That, like, I think Jalen Brown gets in, but like, he ha- he would have to be the worst. He would be by far the worst All Star if he gets selected. Jalen Brown getting in over Jalen Brunson would be laughable. Um, yeah, it would just they, it, would, it would just it would just prove that they don't look at anything besides points per game, which would just be crazy. And points per game wouldn't even make any sense because Brunson's averaging three more points per game. Jalen Brown's averaging twenty two points per game. Yeah, but Tyrese, he's doing it on a team that's twenty and five or whatever. Not because of him. I agree. I was I was being facetious. I know, I know. <laughs> so I'm just like, if the worst contract in NBA history somehow somebody makes it, I would be disgusted. Right. White and Porzingis should both make it over him. Yeah, but I don't think you can justify giving it to White or Porzingis. Um, like, why not Porzingis? Why not Porzingis? Just not enough games or? Not the the numbers aren't gaudy enough. I really think that's it. Like it's hard to like have bigs who are averaging like twenty and ten, and then go yeah, Porzingis is averaging eighteen and six. Gets it. Yeah, I guess honestly, I guess I guess what I'm learning from this discussion is that I'm giving the people who will vote for the All Star Game too much credit. I mean, like, uh-huh. they voted into Martin Rosen last year. And Drew Holiday. Shoot, I forgot DeRozan was an all-star last year. Wow, that's brutal. Hey, Holiday probably deserved to get in. I, I no, would have to go back no, and look, but... Stop. <laughs> <laughs> he gets um, in this year, probably. I don't know. They'll probably figure out a way. His 12 points per game is highly impactful to this team's winning. <laughs> yeah, I'm just now... Well, Hawkeye said, Jeff, you are asking the pettiest people from a petty city from pettiness to not be petty. We are what we are. Yeah. True. I think that's a, it's a good point. And also I'm in my own little echo chamber as a Knicks fan who doesn't live in New York. I used to live in the area, but not anymore. So you're definitely right there, Hawkeye. I probably need to be better at uh, understanding external or other perspectives. I'm blowing it here. Uh, I think we're getting to the end of the chat. Do you have any thoughts on the game that we haven't covered, Tyrese, or thoughts on the upcoming schedule? Uh, let me see the rest of the schedule real quick. So we've got the uh, – I can tell you. We've got the Nets on Wednesday and then two games against the Bucks, I believe. 
Is that yep. right? Yep. Yeah. So a game at Brooklyn and then two home games against the Bucks, and that's the next week, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so Knicks play six games left for the rest of the year. They're gonna go four and two. Who were the last three after the two Bucks games? Thunder, Magic, Pacers. Man, you're and how many of those are on the road? All of them. And you're so wait. We have so what you're saying is we have Brooklyn on the road, and then two home games against the Bucks, and then the Thunder, the Magic, and the Pacers on the road. Yeah. And you're predicting four and two. You're so, man, I wish. Uh, it's the Pacers and the Magic. I'm sorry. I think they might lose to the Thunder, but like, I think they can split with the Bucks. I think they beat the Nets, and I think they beat the Pacers and the Magic. And somehow, someone had to get to four and two. I just think this team is, there's a run in them that they haven't had yet, and they're going to happen fairly soon. Um. Yeah, I mean, look, if they get to 19 and 13 after that schedule, like I was, and I'm more pessimistic than most, I was like, just stay around 500. If they're, if they go four and two and they're 19 and 13 at the new year, oh boy, you're, you're going to get some, first of all, you're going to get confident Nick's Twitter, which is a scary sight to behold for many people. But yeah, I mean, you and I'll be. My bookmarks are ready. Oh, my you, bookmarks are ready. I gotta be honest. I've never, I've never once clicked the bookmark button. Don't believe in it. You are bold. <laughs> bold. It's just <laughs> not my style. I don't think, I don't think receipt culture is like good. I think, I mean, I, I'll argue this until I'm done and gone. I think people who like see, like, ho- like see a take that somebody makes and are like, "Ooh, I'm gonna wait for three months and then dunk on them for this if it's wrong." It's like you're decentivizing people from learning and evolving and uh, reacting to new additional information. And you're just basically saying you have to make a case for every single thing you believe and then plant your flag in it forever. I think that's part of why our society is so fucked right now is because that's how everybody treats every single topic about everything. Whereas if more people were just adaptable and were like, constantly evolving and open-minded and just adjusting to new information as it comes, I think we would be a lot closer and more aligned on most issues. Um, Obviously that's more macro than basketball, but zoom in and focus on the NBA. Like so many of these discussions are just total aids and it's just two people talking past each other. And I think that's because most people are more interested with winning the discussion and being right than they are with trying to land on the truth. You're right, but I need people to know when they're being stupid. You're completely right. That's fair, <laughs> and that's how we. <laughs> I'm I'm good at uh the one one way one way I avoid all that is I mute most of the things that I post. I just sort of post my stuff and move on with my life. If I'm wrong, you can call me, but I also won't care. So. <laughs> you'll care you'll care you'll care a little bit if if uh if obi makes the 2026 all-star game oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh man that uh i think that's gonna do it um somehow there are still 17 of you with us which is fucking bonkers um that's just you guys are awesome honestly that's so crazy that in a good way, in the best possible way that, you know, it's 2.30 a.m. on the East Coast and y'all are just staying up with us to talk ball and 
listen to us talk about the all-star game and it's not even, you know, we don't even have the full show. I know that Schwinn is kind of the main character of the show. We all kind of acknowledge that everybody, you know, most people are here that you, you like our, you like our content, but everybody wants that 5% chance that Schwinn is just going to lose his shit and start yelling at the screen. <laughs> I think, I think, it, I think everybody is here for that. So the fact that you guys, you know, still checked in, still supported us, honestly, we couldn't appreciate you more. Even if you spent the entire video, like calling me names and getting mad at me that I apparently have not been a hundred percent aboard the Julius Randall train for four seasons. We appreciate you uh, hopping aboard and doing this with us, honestly. And we will see you Wednesday night after the Nets game at a much more reasonable time. Tyrese, it's been awesome doing this with you and everybody have a good night. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.